There it is! Wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we are so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week. DLC delivered the way it's meant to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsors this week, Linda, oh, Linda, and Squarespace. Squarespace! They made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. And also, games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata. That's with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who has now let another year go by without being my valentine, Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello. Uh, I was in North Carolina for Valentine's. So quick shout out to, um, I know two listeners came to the improv versus standup we did out there and it was okay. It wasn't the best show ever. It was, we were in a Don't tell them space that. and it, it was okay. But then I headlined a standup show the next night and it was amazing. It was sold out and great. So shout out to Zach Ward for doing that whole North Carolina comedy arts fest. And Jeff, every yeah. day is Valentine's day with you and I, buddy, every day. Well, that doesn't excuse you not sending me any chocolates. Oh, I did. I put them in your uh, your little food kit that you get every week. You didn't get them? I told him to put them in there. <laughs> well, we're not going to talk Valentine's Day the whole show. Now, this is a game about, or a show about gaming. DLC stands for your downloadable Kanata, your downloadable Christian. But this week, ooh, we're excited because DLC stands for die, live, continue, because we've got the host of the Spawn on Me podcast, as well as the creator of the Spawn Point blog, Mr. Khalif Adams. Welcome, Khalif. Hey, guys. What's going on? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I did your podcast uh, just, what, two weeks ago? Last week? What was it? Time yeah, flies. Like two weeks ago. Wasn't that, fu- wasn't that long ago? It was super, super, super awesome. It was fun to have you on, man. You were great. Yeah, thanks. People should check that out um, when they get a chance. It's the Spawn uh, on Me blog or uh, podcast excuse me and the spawn point blog you can find both at spawnpointblog.com right that's correct yep we're both on there there's a big old fat link in the header so you'll be able to get all the shows and stuff there too awesome um we are uh we got a lot to talk about this week uh, i especially have uh, a lot of games that i've been playing big releases small releases i have been gaming a ton this week and uh, that doesn't even take into account all the interesting stories that we've got. So let's start the show the way we usually do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, of course, the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of gaming this week. You, the listeners, can submit stories for our consideration by using our hashtag on Twitter, that is D-L-C-S-O-T-W. You can use that all week long. We'll check that hashtag for stories. Also, our subreddit over at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Lots of fun stuff there. There's a weekly talk back where you can discuss what we talked about on the episode. We're going to be checking that all week long as well and submit stories there. Khalif, as our guest, you get first pick. So oh, what man. is your so you, story? Oh, that's a lot of, of pressure. Uh, so the... 
the one thing that I saw this week that really gave me some pause and kind of bugged me out was that everyone was so mad at the order and the folks are ready mm. at dawn. I don't know why people are upset about the length of that game being so supposedly short. Uh, so that's been something that folks have been talking about on the Internet. I was wondering what you guys thought about that as well. Yeah, you're referring to this leaked playthrough from some YouTubers that got early copies of the order 1886 uh this story was actually submitted by a few people including andre xp uh at andre xp on twitter and uh basically the idea is that this big triple a game is going to cost 60 bucks it looks like at least one fella on the youtubes got through the whole thing in five hours and 30 minutes according to a screen grab now there's a lot of debate over whether he was rushing through, over whether he did stuff. Uh, the actual CEO of Ready at Dawn, who's the developer of The Order 1886, um, was asked for comment. He got frustrated. And there's a lot of debate about what constitutes a AAA game. Is it is five and a half hours enough for your $60? I'm kind of with you, Khalif. I kind of feel like uh, if it, we don't have any any report of whether the game is good all we have is this number this number of hours and i feel like that is one of the worst metrics you can use for uh quality worth my dollar and i know a lot of people want value they want uh something they can invest a lot of time in if they're going to spend their hard-earned money but for me personally i would feel satisfied if it's five and a half hours or less even of really high quality balls to the wall fun uh, I don't think I would feel cheated, but how, you obviously agree with that, right? Yeah, the thing that I don't understand is it feels like there's this weird number in folks' minds that you have to have a certain length of a game to equal a certain dollar amount. And that thing has always bothered me. I've never understood that because I've played so many short games that are great. Like Journey was one of my favorite games of all time, and it was two hours long. It wasn't $60, but also it wasn't a bad game i've played so many long bloated drawn out games that i've paid more than 60 dollars for but no one kind of remembers that you don't have to have a long game to have a good game i'm I'm still trying to figure out why that has become the the metric of time to the cost ratio of time to to money and i don't i don't get that it's so like bewilders me all the time what's your take on this christian the first resident evil which i love across every iteration that i've played is an extremely short game. Even on my first playthrough, it was, I'm guessing, seven hours. Subsequent playthroughs, I think the fastest I've ever done, I am no speedrun person, but I think it's like four to five. And it's one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, you know, top 15 for sure. I, I love it. I love its camp. I love its cheesiness. I don't care about how long a game is. I also don't care if you do care. Oh, this is the worst. I'm not going to pay 60 bucks for this. Only five hours. What a piece of crap. Okay. Don't. I do not care. And it just it's just one other thing. I think it's a slow news week and the internet needed to be outraged at something. And the fact that this is like blowing up is oh five hours. I this is crap. I'm gonna wait for a price drop. Oh okay. Do that. Congrats. You know what? <laughs> I I paid eight thousand dollars for Hearthstone because of its unlimited amount of gameplay. I mean, sh- stop it. Your arguments are dumb. I don't know. It frustrates me. I'm frustrated. <laughs> Two, the second point, people are in the chat like, well, what if it's five hours and it's a boring game? Don't buy it. Great. Well, if it was like, 60 hours in a boring game, it'd be pretty bad, <laughs> too, I think. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't buy it also. I think the thing for me, 
that frustrates me that's coming out of this is criticize a game all you want. Criticize the content. Say it's not for you. But at some point in our culture, it often very quickly shifts to like personal attacks and like, or even like attacking yeah, the but, company or like going after the creator. And I don't think it's a yeah, but shrug it off. I, it's just No, no. Yeah. I think that's just a different, that's just a different topic. I, and I, I agree with you. And I think we're all on the same page about this. Like I get, I, I think we all agree that we would prefer five good, great, fun hours to, you know, 12 or 15 padded, bloated, uh, uneven hours. I think we're all on the same page about that. Well, Maybe, let, me settle the, let me settle the debate. The question <laughs> and the baseline question is five hours too short for a AAA game that costs $60. That's the, well, that's, that's the I question. Think that's the thing that in, in a, in an era of, uh, variable pricing in an era of games that are coming out across the board, especially over on Steam and all these other sort of digital distribution platforms, I think it's much more of a, hey, games aren't all 60 bucks. So answer that question then. Yeah, so the answer to that question is no. It is not wrong for a game to cost $60 and be five hours in length. It, that, the answer to that is definitely no. And more than game length goes into game cost and game um, production and game design. And uh, it's the silliest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, some games are cheaper. And would I like it if the, this, if the order were cheaper? Yeah, I like saving money. I'd love to pay $30 for it instead of $60. But this whole like price outrage that happens with, with games is just, it, it boggles my mind. And I hope <laughs> that someone can go and find an internet clip of me saying the opposite and call me a hypocrite. I might be one. I don't think that's the case, so I think I've been consistent with this. I do not understand people's hang-up on this issue. The other the other part of that conversation is that I think to a certain extent, we have all gotten to a place where we have unrealistic expectations of things. So where you'll have a $30 game that people will kind of pass over because that number doesn't, in their mind, fit that that's a quality game. We've seen that back in the day with uh, 2K, with their with their NFL game that came out at 20 bucks, and people said, well, you know, I don't know if I want to spend... I don't know if I want to buy that game because it doesn't have that that dollar sign that makes me think that they put all their effort into buying and making that game. So there's a weird level of you, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. And that that's the thing that I think uh, everybody in the, industry, in, in the industry has to kind of get over and kind of figure out. It's interesting to me. I mean, there's a lot of talk in the chat room right now. I think uh, a really interesting point made by Space Bob here is that every person needs to answer this question for themselves. It's a very personal thing. If it, is it worth it to you? Well, that's your decision, right? And we can't say, oh, you, it should be worth it to you or it shouldn't. You're making a purchasing decision, but having the information, I guess, is, is good. For me, I, I don't know if having the information is good. It's, it's interesting. No one publishes, well, they do, but no one makes a big deal about the running time of a film. It's not like, oh, this one's only 90 minutes, where this, this one's two and a half hours, so I'm getting more for my money. It's a, no one makes that value proposition, and in video games, you do for some reason, and I, I guess it's because games cost more, but really, if you're gonna bring more than one person to a movie, you're gonna end up spending video game money <laughs> anyway. So, uh, I don't know. I think people get hung up on this and I don't really, for me personally, that's not part of my value decision. It's not part of whether I'm going to spend the money on a game. It doesn't have anything to do with how fast or how slow I get through it. It, it really just doesn't. And I understand people, some people 
can buy fewer games in a year than I can and want to be able to play something over and over. And if there's not a lot of replayability, it goes into their decision. But games do go down in price. If you wait, you can pay for this game a lot less than you would now. I'm I'm sure of that fact as well. My favorite, uh, well, one to Space Bob in the chat. Yes, that's it, it's a personal decision that everyone needs to make for themselves. That applies to every purchasing decision. I 100% agree with that. My favorite comment so far is Lawman, who says, I paid $200 for a new 3DS, and it doesn't have any gameplay. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. The Gru says, uh, Tom Sawyer was no war and peace in length. Uh, I'll buy it for half the price. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, you know, I guess it's different for every person. I just, the thing that I guess you were getting at, Christian, and I stopped you, and maybe I shouldn't have, uh, is that now it's turned as an attack on Ready at Dawn, and the CEO is, is at the, at wit's end, based on all his sort of statements, like, I don't even want to deal with this anymore. He keeps saying, yeah, we could comment on it, but people are using it as sort of like this gotcha, like, we figured out your game is only five hours and you're trying to dupe us, which is, ridiculous like there, there is no that's where you get these games that are padded and strange because these developers are like well we don't want to get into the situation where people are mad at us for putting out a five-hour game let's let's stop imposing these artificial metrics on things it's so dumb in my opinion agreed all right christian what is your uh, story of the week man uh I really want to talk about Peter Molyneux and his descent into darkness, his heart of darkness. Oh, we will. Um, so you don't have to pick that. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that. What do you really <laughs> want to pick? I mean, I do. I, I do really, really want to to pick that. But what I think, um, again, close to my heart, and it doesn't mean anything, but I just saw it before we started here, is that. The last, the Sony has chosen not to renew the Last Guardian's trademark in the United States. Uh, the name, the Last Guardian trademark in the United States. Does this mean the game isn't going to come out? No, I mean we knew that years ago that the game was never going to come out. <laughs> we um, did, did we? <laughs> well, no. We so held this on is, hope, didn't we? Well, so I think we might know similar people, Jeff, but um, not to say names, locations, or even what part of the country people live in. But um, I was aware that this game was very much a thing, you know, not too, too, too many months ago, and there was actual gameplay, and progress was eh, maybe being made. But from my understanding is no one knew what it was, how it was going to be, or what that gameplay was, or where the game went. It was kind of like, here's this thing, and this is cool, and look at this bird dog, and, and then it's emotional. Well, I don't know after that. And it kind of stayed at that point for a very long time and new people came in and old people left and blah 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 but i i do think that this is an official end and i think that if sony brings out this game i think it will have a new name if they use any assets from this because that's <laughs> yeah. baggage at this point right like what can the no. last guardian be <laughs> the, the the real depressing point about this story is how inexpensive and easy it is to renew a trademark <laughs> so it's like it's not even worth that to them it's uh that's that's sad and if it's like well maybe it'll come out with a new name guys everyone inside the the talking bubble of video gaming wants this game to come out if it was ever going to come out there's it would be dumb to put it out with this name without this name because 
this name has some cachet. They've developed a myth with this game. <laughs> There's, people want this game. People would make a big deal about The Last Guardian being announced. It would be a huge announcement. The so idea the, that this like, well, so we'll the, just change the name and put it out. It'll That doesn't the help order, you. That's a, the order should launch as The Last Guardian and then no one would care that it's five hours. <laughs> The funny thing is that this game has already been out for years. It was called The Never-Ending Story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's going to be uh, that. What's that? That game coming out on Xbox One, uh, Oni and the Lost Fortress or uh, Forest or something. It's like it's kind of similar to that. Mm-hmm. maybe a little bit. I don't know. It's sad. It's sad just because uh, Eco and Shadow of the Colossus are masterpieces, and we wanted this one to be the third masterpiece. Uh, and um, so quick, yeah. quick poll, Khalif, will this game ever, or no, no, will this game, will a game called The Last Guardian come out on the PlayStation 4? I think it will. I mean, at some point, I think even though there is so much bad gar- garbage, that was a terrible Freudian slip, <laughs> <laughs> so much bad baggage that's attached to it, they don't really have that much to lose by dropping it with the same name. It is something that instead of having to try to figure out a new IP for this and try to shoehorn it into something else, you already people already kind of know what they wanted from it and what they were supposedly going to get. So I don't see them really dropping it. And if they do bring it back as something else, that seems to be more of a of like we failed we, we we didn't even get the chance to do this the way we wanted to so we have to like repackage it and bring it out some other way so i hope they still bring it out i'm i'm not excited for it but i hope that for the people who do actually and did want that game that it actually comes out so Jeff, i don't know man i'm gonna out? push back i'm gonna push back against you a little bit khalif because i think i feel like we all want a game to come out but then when it comes out and it's terrible people are like <laughs> oh this is all ugh, how dare you put out this game is all it's I would rather things get euthanized in the bed (laughs) and, you know, like we don't ever need to see if they couldn't figure out a way to make this game good, by all means, keep high standards, keep that bar set real high. And if a game doesn't hit that bar, don't release it. That's fine with me. I'm I'm happier with that. Here's a double pushback. What's the last game that fits that that, that, uh, category? The what category of not, not coming out? Not coming out. Games that, that want, people wanted and then it came out. That people thought it was dead and then it came out and then people were like, no, this was terrible. Why'd you do this? Duke Nukem. Duke Nukem. <laughs> yeah, that's the first one that popped into my head too. Yeah. Okay. Um, Touche. You got that one. <laughs> um, I feel like there's others. Aliens, but, Colonial Marines. Yeah. Alien, Colonial Marines. But, but, but were those games wanted besides Duke? The Aliens one wasn't really wanted. Duke was a wanted game for some people. But I, I don't think it had the same kind of fanfare that when Last Guardian came out. But no, no, not to that level. But Alien, if I remember correctly, was pretty well. I mean, it had a not again not Last Guardian level um, development cycle, but it was pretty well received when it was shown. And then it was like, you could have kept this one. <laughs> <laughs> Nomad NP in the chat says Final Fantasy fourteen. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Uh, I don't know if there's any other uh, games that uh, people in the chat can think of that i'm oh, not but uh, Shat- shadow run was that the, it came out it, again it was like leak that it was working on i don't know there hopefully there are many more khalif that never got out of the bed because jeff killed them <laughs> <laughs> we've been saying prey but uh, are they talking about prey 2 because it's, prey it, 2 did get killed yeah then it got watchdogs that's funny mm-hmm. i don't know i you know i'm i am of the opinion that don't announce a game until it's certainly a thing and don't put out a game unless that certain thing is a good thing. That's Wait. I'm I'm in favor of that. 
Khalif, Jeff, do you guys have the rest of this show? I'm going to run over to the U.S. Trademark Office and get uh, The Last Guardian and release the crappiest game ever. (laughs) 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 I will be all right back. It came out, you guys. It came out. All right, well, I mean, I think... think since no one else picked it, I have to pick. I think this this is the biggest story of the week. Uh, it is Peter Molyneux's, gosh, what do you even call it? Uh, his his brouhaha. His hmm? we are living. We are living his his uh, heart of darkness. We are watching the descent. He is the last guardian of Godus. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, it's been an interesting week. For, for Peter, to say the least, there was an article that was published by Eurogamer about the sort of lost promises of his Kickstarter campaign for the game uh, Curiosity and the game Goddess that the Kickstarter for Goddess that started with this clicking app thing uh, called Curiosity that said, we are going to crown one person God of Gods and they are going to have a life changing experience. And it turned out the 18-year-old kid, Brian Henderson, who did manage to win, kind of got shafted by the company, hasn't really received anything that you would consider life-changing. He did get a chance to visit the uh, the studios of 22 Cans, which is the the developer of, of these games that Molyneux heads. Uh, but evidently, his trip was, was pretty lousy, and uh, he was treated kind of... Uh, brusquely at best uh and um so there was you know this it's kind of sucks for this kid but more than that i think that it opened this can of worms of false promises of things that where where is the where is the development of this game sitting uh all these kickstarter promises that were made uh are not really being fulfilled and despite a team working on this game evidently actively working on this game a lot of the team have said rather frankly that uh, a lot of this stuff isn't ever going to happen, can't happen based on the budget that they have and the time that they have. The game is already wildly late and uh, evidently Molyneux himself has kind of turned his attention on something new, a game called The the Trail. So after this story broke and a lot of people ran with it, uh, more things happened and um, two interesting points. First is this rock, paper, shotgun interview that Molyneux sat down for. Uh, where the, <laughs> the, it, it really was hostile. It was a, basically a very hostile interview. Uh, the first question was, uh, are you a pathological liar? Which, you know, when you start <laughs> there, I don't know where you can really go, but, uh, fascinating read. I hope both of you got a chance to read it. Uh, and then the second interesting bit of, of news is that, uh, another developer, um, the guys who made Hotline Miami, uh, devolver digital basically said hey we're gonna fulfill the promise that these guys can't and they are bringing uh mr brian henderson the, the winner who was supposed to be god of gods they're making him a god of god in their game not a hero uh, which i think is pretty cool so there's lots going on here khalif i'm interested in your reaction to this entire mess oh, and where man. you stand there are so many facets to the story that I'm just like, we just, we literally just talked about this yesterday on the show, but it's crazy because first of all, all right, let's run them down. First of all, the, 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 the kid got screwed on his, his, um, his Kickstarter, uh, contest winning, um, saying he got screwed on that. That was terrible. That was something that, that shouldn't have happened. They should have kind of figured out a way to at least do good by him and, and try to figure out a way to, to kind of give him some recompense on that. Um, 
it sucks that the folks who kickstarted the game are not going to get their game. It seems that's going to be really bad, but also that seems to be the trouble with Kickstarter and kind of backing things before you know that they're going to actually come out. That's a problem that is on both ends of that. That's something that Molyneux should have figured out and kind of budgeted and, and made the decisions to do all the things you need to do to make a game come out. But that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And then the third, well, the third part of that is the interview, which was amazing. It's like, it's like if I walked up to you, Jeff, and the first question I ask you is, Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Are you a murderer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, and it only gets worse from there, right? It, I mean, it, it, he, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of problems with that interview. I think it's, uh, ridiculous and, I, and kind of, um, unprofessional to be quite honest with you is John Walker from rock paper shotgun that did the interview. Right. And, um, I, I understand, I think his heart was in the right place. Uh, I think he wanted to create some sort of to uh, journalistic moment. <laughs> we, you know, we speak about journalism in in games, uh, media a lot. And I think he kind of kind of took this on himself as a way to make someone accountable for their actions. And right. in a lot of ways, I think you, you do need, um, these guys, Molyneux's company, to be accountable uh, for putting out a game that they promised. But th- the central thing, and I w- wish Molyneux had brought this up, and I, and I think this is lost all too often, and it, the central thrust of that interview is that people bought your game and you didn't deliver it. Right. And that is not the case. That is right. not the case. People donated money to a to a guy who said he was working on something, and they had a lot of faith that he would be able to deliver that. And he promised in his thing that he's going to deliver a game as reward for their donation. But it's a donation. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I, so I'm of two minds. And, and I'm somebody who's been through the Kickstarter thing. And I understand better than most how turbulent and unpredictable and really screwy the whole situation can be. And... Uh, so maybe I'm defending Molyneux in a certain way, but I certainly don't think he should be let off the hook. Um, it, it, like you said, there's a lot of facets to this. First of all, it's, you, you know, I hope they finish the game. I hope they deliver the game. I hope they allow people refunds if they're dissatisfied w- with, with what they donated, but it is a donation. It's a donation first and foremost. So you can't hold this guy accountable. That being said, well, let me just turn it over to you guys first. I have lots more to say, but Christian, what's your take? Well, so to spare the me, uh, yes, I am oftentimes a hypocrite. I'm fine with that label for certain elements. I don't think what I'm about to say will make me one, though. While saying Ready at Dawn doesn't deserve necessarily personal attacks for the order being short, I do think Peter Molyneux, to some extent, holds himself out as a public figure in the legal sense and therefore is not, you know, I, I don't, he puts himself out very publicly in um, promotion of his games, and therefore I think some of this backlash is is warranted. I, I, I do think the, the Rock Paper Shotgun article or interview was a little attacky. At the same time, I am perfectly fine with people going to press events and asking sharp, pointed questions. For instance, if you're sitting down with... Um, uh, you know, people that worked on Drive Club, for example, and they say their new game is going to be X, Y, Z. I'm okay with someone asking the question, why should we believe you when you said there would be a free version for PlayStation Plus that still hasn't been delivered? I'm okay with someone asking Malin, you questions like, why should I believe X when you said Y before and it wasn't true? So I like, 
I like pointed, sharp questions. I oftentimes enjoy listening to the BBC radio because they do not let their guests off the hook the way oftentimes American news and, and interviewers do. Um, and, and with all of that said, I, I think to some extent, why does anyone believe Peter? Why have we ever believed him after lie one? I don't know if he But do you is... think they're lies? Yes. Do you think they're lies? Yes. I disagree 100%. I don't, I don't think they're lies. I think I they're totally lies don't. that he has uh, fooled himself into believing. But I think if you were to put his hand on the fire, so to speak, there's no a life-changing experience. Either that, if they're not lies, he's delusional and has <laughs> false promises or false, false images of, of grandeur of himself where it's like, oh, and you will feel emotion for the first time the way your no, horse dude, comes I, up to you. I You're, totally disagree this, with that. Go ahead, Cleef. I, I would say this, and I and I appreciate that part of that argument. But here's here's the the secondary part of that. Although Molyneux has not come through on lots and lots and lots of the things that he has tried to put out there, he is a visionary. Visionaries, that's what they do. They put out really lofty ideas and hope that some of those things come to fruition and hope that some of those things come true. Now, I'm not sticking up for him because I think to a certain extent, once you have become that kind of person, you do have to have your feet held to the fire when you do have some of the things that you are able to make and, and are able to create. And those things do have to come out, but he is one of those people who will shoot way higher than usual. And hopefully usually he'll get at least some of the things that will stick onto the board. And those things come out and those things are okay. They may not be great, but they do come out. They do, they do happen. Yeah. I, I'm, I think this is where you and I differ Christian. Fundamentally. I, I, love and I want to live in a world where there are people who think and believe and dream in this idealized world, this idealized vision of the future. And the idea that there's somebody working in the game space who wants to create love in a dog, who wants to create a life-changing experience, who thinks in those terms and leverages his ability to create games in that manner and isn't realistic. I like that. I want that to happen. I don't want to kill that. I don't want to have some interviewer go in and just destroy that in this guy. However, I, I understand that a lot of times he falls short of his goal. That doesn't mean he shouldn't shoot for the goal. And it doesn't mean it does mean that we need to be leery of giving money to him on the promise of that goal. And it also means that he should be more careful in how publicly he states those things and how I think his, his real crime, if there is one, is how much he wants to talk about it. Like I get being excited about these things, but don't tell us until you've done it. <laughs> right. I'm. He's Go ahead. he's he's peddling snake oil, and whether or not he's delusional enough to believe these these uh, falsehoods, and people in the chat are saying, "Oh, a lie is a uh, you have the intent to deceive." No, I mean, yes, that is a definition of lying, but also a lie is just a falsehood. And uh, I could pull up cases that prove what is not whether or not you had an intent to lie. Blah 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 blah. And also, if Peter is going to be the spokesperson for his company and for his games, he needs to be better trained. Because it's not hard to save yourself from lying if you add things like what we're trying to do, what I want to convey to the player is, what this world can, you know, makes me feel is. But he's not saying that. These aren't his, his statements aren't 
personal feelings and beliefs. They aren't hopes, dreams, dreams, and wishes. He is making bold promises that aren't true, haven't been true for years, and he continues to make them. And the gaming press fawns over him almost every time. Like, yeah, and then it's like a joke. Like, well, you will. We're gonna love the horse, okay, Peter? But this time we're gonna do it. And he's been peddling crap since the first fable. That's not true. Probably he before. has not been peddling crap. I, I'm. I, there's been. He's been made great games. I played many games that were life changing to me. Populous, Fable, Fable Two. These are excellent, excellent, excellent games. High level, incredible games. Uh, I want this guy to be working in this space. I don't want to crush that. I don't want to lose that that level of ambition. It's frustrating to me. I, can you imagine? what it must be like to be an actual publisher for him. Like if we're seeing this on a level of Kickstarter, what's happening behind closed doors of people who actually are giving him millions of dollars, not hundreds of thousands of dollars, but are financing a game over years and years. I mean, I think that I think there's a lot of naivete in the, in the public. And I think there's a lot of, of entitlement in the sense of reading that interview. It felt like, we deserve that. We deserve, we deserve this. It's right. like, okay, well, he asked you for a donation for something. Right. It sucks that he fell short of it. It really, really does. But you're armed with a lot of information before you make that donation, right? You've seen the track record of this guy and all that Kickstarter has is reputation as a currency. That's all it has. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think hey. you have to, I think you have to do that with your dollar. Like, like you just said, I, I think that. John uh, Walker, he he tried to be an advocate for the people in that way. And I think he didn't do a great job and it was kind of unprofessional in the way that he went about it. But I also think, like you just said, to a certain extent, you as a backer have to understand what that actually means. And I think that that is way more important in the way that Kickstarter maneuvers in the future, in the way that developers decide that they actually want to try to fund their games on Kickstarter is because people will actually know that, look, this is a promise that may happen and it may not happen. And that's okay. But you put your money where your mouth is and you put your money down. So I think that's important. So I don't want to conflate this to a simple, I'm not saying this represents the entire discussion, but to both of you, if Peter came up to you and said, I need, give me $500, I will pay you back in full with 30% interest in two years time, would you do it? Hell no. <laughs> $500? No. I don't know. I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't proven, I, that was the other point. Was, so you'd assume he's lying? I wouldn't assume that he's I, lying. I don't I'm, understand why you need to use that L word, but go ahead. Yeah, I don't assume that he's lying. I don't think that what he what he's doing is lying at all. I just don't see the track record of games that I personally connect with that I felt were were amazing games that I would back him or give him the money to do the thing that he wants to do. I will support and people hate David, um, uh, guy who made Heavy Rain and stuff like that. Uh, David Cage, I think. Yeah. The people hate his games. I love his games. I will support him in any way that he wants to do anything going forward. And that's the, because I'm, I understand that, that that money goes to what I want. But Molyneux hasn't proven himself in the same way after doing everything. The last thing I think that he did that I was really excited about was Milo. And that never came out. You know what I mean? That was something that never right. even bared fruit. So I'm, I'm just confused at where people are, are finding this like, yeah, we're behind you, Peter. I don't get that part. That's the part I'm so, confused about. The, Jeff, the, wait, the most... Go ahead. Is he is he is he lying or delusional? 
I think it's the latter more than the former. I think, I think at the time he says things, he thoroughly believes, believes them and intends to fulfill them. And he is constantly battered by the realities of life. I think that's, he's constantly battered. And, he, and that he sucks. leaves a tough life then. That must, how do you get up and look at the mirror and how do you keep making these, pro- at some point, then he needs help. This poor man needs help because at some point you got to wake up and be like, nope. You didn't do it before. Why? Ugh, I don't. That's a sadder world. I think. I think. I think you would be. I think if you really thought about it, Christian, there's more people in your line of work in in the creative fields all over the place that do exactly what Peter Molyneux does. They just don't do it publicly. Mm-hmm. They do it in the, in a pitch meeting. They do it when they're trying to get in, individual investors. People talk believe in their project and want to make their project. And then when the going gets tough, it gets friggin' tough and things get hard and b- bad things happen. And yes, this guy has 30 years experience, but I'm sure there's new problems that come up all the time. And some people are better able to navigate that field than others. But what happens is people talk like this. People create and want to create and believe they can. And it just sucks for me. The more, disturbing element and and you know what i give the dude a lot of credit actually for being as honest as he is a lot of people wouldn't be as honest he is in a lot of ways um uh, you know talking around some of the subjects but in a lot of ways he's being very direct and it's worrisome to me how kickstarter is being used and and how it has been turned into a very specific tool that has ways to win and ways to lose and the way he talks about using kickstarter which has become a basically a an accepted modus operandi in the industry of like well you have to ask for less than you actually need because you you can't get that and you have to promise this and you have to promise that and you have to have these kinds of things or else people won't donate that to me is the problem that it's become this workable system that bears no relation to reality. And he's kind of frank about how that system either works or doesn't. And you have to do these certain things in order to make it work. And it's bothersome to me too. How many people in our own chat room think of Kickstarter as a pre-order system? It's not guys. It's not a pre-order system. And if you think of it that way, you're just going to lead you to heartache. It's, it's a bummer. It's a real bummer. Anyway, um, Let's, uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, we have to thank our sponsor, Linda. If you want to learn about stuff, uh, maybe learn about game design, maybe understand the realities of what it's like to create a game. Linda is a great way to do it. Linda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com slash DLC is where you go. And Linda has millions, well, has millions of people all around the world using their courses. They have over 3,000 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, business. There's software training. So if you want to learn Excel or WordPress or Photoshop, or you want to learn how to be a game designer, they have Unity 3D training. They have this cool programming for kids, foundations of programming course that is great for getting young people interested in programming and learning how to do it. And they have the Code Clinic, which is this really awesome series where each month uh lynda.com sh- they have a, a code challenge and then all the people that do the code challenge share their solutions 
uh, over a variety of different programming languages. So you can see how different people attack different, how different people attack the same problem using a variety of code languages. It's really, really cool. It's great. And we're going to give you a 10 day free trial just by going to lynda.com slash DLC. That's lynda.com slash DLC. It lets them know that you listen to our show and encourages them to support us, which is great. And you have really 10 days to just soak in all of this cool content and see if it's something that you might want to do. It's awesome. You get unlimited access to every single course on lynda.com. You get access to view tutorials on tablets and your iPhone or Android mobile device. And you get access to access to new courses, which are added every week. So try it out. Lynda.com slash DLC. Learn something. Educate yourself. It's really great. These are high quality Great videos, not just lame YouTube stuff. It's really, really well done. Lynda.com slash DLC. Okay. Um, do you guys want to talk about that more? Do you think we beat that into the into the ground? Or uh, you know, I'm <laughs> a potential I'm just, ribbon, a potential bow. Okay, potential, and I think it it somewhat ties back to what Cleve said earlier in terms of Journey being an amazing game. Um, I believe that was that game company, Journey Flower yep. Flow. Yes. Incredible game, beautiful, inventive, creative, amazing, and came out without the head developer talking crazy. So me saying Peter is crazy and lying and delusional and maybe maybe some has some screws loose in terms of his beliefs and what he can actually create does not mean that I don't want new, awesome, inventive, incredible experiences. I think there's a way to do it it doesn't involve, and there are crazy people in every every field, and it's not just video games. Every field, film, books, oil companies, every field. But to sit here and say that because uh, people are calling him out or saying you shouldn't trust him or he's a liar or whatever means that we're going to knock down the the nail sticking up with a hammer and make everybody the same and get rid of inventive and awesome games. That's just not true. And I think that people that are crazy and awful uh in terms of what they they sell and how they sell it and their snake oil charms and their wily ways i I say more for that call them out don't buy their their bs and then we'll still have awesome things we'll just have awesome things from awesome people well and i'm not trying to make you mad when i say this jeff but i just feel like (laughs) i feel like one does not necessarily equal the other I want to live in the world, and that's just the difference between you and me. I want to live in the world where I hear Molyneux talk about something like Milo or talk about something like the dog feeling love. I remember vividly watching those keynote addresses or presentations and swelling with excitement over what video games can be. I want that. If, if, if all he can do is just go around and inspire people and be an <laughs> inspirational speaker for video game and like try to try to instigate some sort of movement forward in the business instead of actually making his own stuff, so be it. But I want that world. I want to hear somebody talk about games in a way that is aspirational and not necessarily possible with current technology. I think that's great. And the idea that you've sort of somehow been duped or, I mean, I get it. The Kickstarter people have a legitimate gripe that they, that they gave their money for something and it, and it's, you know, he said it was going to come out in seven to nine months and it's been, you know, almost two years. That's bad. 
and the game is not going to be what they wanted it to be. That's bad. I'm not saying that's good, but I don't think that you, you can go around just saying you're a liar and you're, you're this horrible snake oil salesman. I, I, I think there's a middle ground between those two. I really do. That middle ground is him making the last guardian. That's what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, finally. Uh, all right. Uh, let's move on from that. Um, uh, I got an email in my inbox this week and it is a new record, a new record. Here we are, February 16th, and I get to play this. Chugga, 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 chugga. Are you ready, Christian? The hype train is starting. Well, someone in the chat said Christian only wants hates it when there's a hype train with no tracks. So hopefully this hype train has tracks. <laughs> <laughs> I have already gotten my first invitation for an E3 event, y'all. I'm sure lots of people have heard about this already. Uh, big, big invitations. Save the Dates came out from Bethesda saying, we're doing our first ever press event. Uh, rather than just meeting at their booth or having, you know, having a small presentation, they're doing what EA and Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo and all everybody does now their own sort of publisher specific press conference. They're doing it. So let's let the wild speculation begin. It's Fallout, guys, right? It's Fallout. It's Fallout. We're getting a new Fallout. It's, that's the only thing it could be, right? The only thing big enough for it to be is a new Fallout. I'm going to bet that it's Fallout. I know it. I know it in my bones. It's got to be Fallout. Right? I know it in my soul. I know it. I know what's happening. I'm so excited for that game to come out. I know it's going to be the thing that they show because what else could it be at this point? It's not going to be Skyrim. I doubt it's going to be Skyrim. It can't be Skyrim. It's too big. No, I don't think there's a new Elder Scrolls game yet. They usually go either, you know, alternating. So it, it's it, we're up for a new Fallout before we're up for a new Elder Scrolls. Um, I, some people are speculating a new Dishonored, maybe. I hope not. Please no. Please don't be. You didn't like Dishonored? Dishonored? No, that game had such a terrible ending that bo- it bothered me. There were some and great it was, systems it was in such it. a good game, but it was so <sighs> short. <laughs> my my cost to time <laughs> ratio was not fulfilled by Dishonored, so I cannot recommend it. <laughs> if it's not Fallout, people are going to be upset. Um, stealing this, um, this isn't my original thought. Um, those had on. A, giant bomb cast a couple of weeks ago i don't know when it was but it, it can't be an oblivion or morrowind or whatever game right because th- if that comes out before the online one comes out on consoles no one's buying the online one well whatever they're announcing this year is not coming out this year so that's, 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 that's about true that. so uh fallout or new new ip and i would bet 100 fictional dollars it's fallout but i'm also going to say that it's not fallout 4 i think it's going to be fallout colon something Fallout colon something. <laughs> Fall, fallout colon um, super colon or super blow. Colon blow. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Call, <laughs> fallout something. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think you have a big press event unless you've got something big to announce. And I don't think something big to announce is anything other than a known quantity. And the known quantity that's next up for them is Fallout kind of is a no-brainer, uh, especially since there's news today of them sort of actively pursuing um, trademark infringement for the Fallout name. It just seems like all point, all, all signs point to Fallout. 
I hope it's not just Fallout. I'd like to see more new stuff. Uh, Bethesda is a very exciting company for me personally, so I'm I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, but it's crazy to me that we're in February and we're talking about E3 announcements. Crazy. Crazy to me. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for E3. There's nothing on this planet besides food that makes you more excited about E3. Do you go to E3 or do you do you cover it from home? I'm lobbying for someone to help me get into E3 since I'm on the West Coast now. So I'm like, please, someone, someone help me get in. Help me get in. I snuck, <laughs> I snuck in in 2005 with the old, old school uh, business card trick, but that is no longer oh, the yeah. case. So um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping to go in. I'm hoping. Please help me. Help me. Well, that hype train is starting very soon this year. So we're excited. Uh, let's, let's um, move on. Uh, we got, there's some other stories here, but let's, Move on because there is, this has been a big week for me personally playing a lot of games. I know you guys have too. So let's get to the playlist. Playlist is a part of the show where we talk about what we've been playing, what is on our playlist. Khalif, what has been on your playlist this week? Um, there's been a lot of stuff, actually. I'm finishing up Dying Light, which is really, really fun. It kind of opens up. We talked about this on, on the show when you were on. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's opened up a lot. Uh, the, the parkour has gotten better the longer that you play that game and the zombie killing is always awesome. Um, I finally bought Evolve, which is weirdly, see, the weird thing about Evolve was I'm so, uh, accustomed to really wanting that game to be, uh, Left 4 Dead that the systems mm-hmm. that are in it, I'm trying to unlearn things and because it's teaching me to play the game a specific way and it's fun, but I also just want random mobs of things to try to come kill me at the same time. And that's not the case, but the game is really, really good. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's dive a little deeper in each of these. Let's start with dying light because uh, Christian and I talked about it at length a couple of weeks back and, and we, I think we're both a little down on it. We liked a lot of elements of the game, but I think overall it didn't really scratch our itch. So tell me, you know, be the counterpoint to that. Tell me why you're, uh, why you're digging it. See, as a person who didn't like the, gosh, what was the game that they made before? So it was the game, um, Dead Dead Island. Island. As a person who didn't care for Dead Island, I was, I didn't have lots of hope going in. I was like, this is not going to be a good game. I'm not expecting lots from it. Dying Light with the addition of the actual parkour. The thing that makes that game the, the, a fun game is the parkour. They do such an amazing uh, sense of scale when you're up at a really high height and you're trying to figure out how you're going to maneuver around the space and get away from zombies. Uh, it is a little repetitive as far as what you can do. The weapons aren't as amazing as I would have hoped. I was hoping that that would have been a little bit better the crafting system but for the most part being able to feel like you're kind of in uh world war z (laughs) and like run around a a whole big city with a a huge map and and kind of maneuver and figure out ways that you're going to get away from things is really Mm -hmm. satisfying i i think the weirdest thing that i've done that i keep doing is looking for they have these piles of garbage you can jump into that'll uh, brace your fall i try to find the highest thing i can jump off and jump into that pile of garbage and weirdly that is super satisfying it's really nice that no one in that world throws away glass. <laughs> I thought about that too. <laughs> it's all soft paper products, cloth. That's the only thing they throw away in that world. They're recycled in the, in the post-apocalyptic world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I just, 
maybe I didn't give it enough of a chance. I, I didn't play it as long as, as you have, but for me, I just never felt like in the first person perspective, I had a clear gauge of whether or not I was going to make that jump or I was going to get to that ledge or I, I was wishing that the game would indicate in some way if I was leaning out toward a ledge and push the jump button if I was actually going to get there or not and even at a full sprint I would sometimes run and jump and then just smack my face into the wall and be like oh, okay I didn't make that one um, I don't know I just felt I just didn't ever felt feel like I had a sense of what I would nor- what I would actually have the sense of in that physical space, like how far away I am from something or whatever. Like I wanted to wear my Oculus and play that game. I feel like I would be better at it if having a better spatial relationship with things. I think I think once you you kind of forget about it once you get to a certain point. The problem is it takes it takes a fairly decent amount of time to get to that point in the game. And if you've already kind of felt like it's not doing what it, what you need it to do, you're not going to continue to play it. So that's kind of a, a, a bad gameplay choice that they've kind of figured out is that, that all that movement is way down in the, in the skill tree. So you have to kind of get yeah. to it. Um, I, I want to speak uh-huh. to that real quick uh, yeah. because I, I, I was thinking about that a lot this week. Um, you know, I'm such a blizzard fanboy, and I will wear that as a badge, but um I think they do something and they speak to it very explicitly in their, in their design presentations. Um, and that is, you know, they always try to make you feel overpowered, even when you're not, even when you're leveling from, from level one in Diablo, you always feel overpowered and then you get a new thing and you're like, Oh my gosh, this new thing makes me even more powerful. And yet you never are. Right. And I feel like that is something that. Games where, with a leveling mechanic like Dying Light could learn more from or be better at because I felt like that game, you start underpowered, but, and you level up to get more power, but, but it's like, I'm just treading water until I get to the good stuff rather than feeling like I've got good stuff now and there's better stuff later. You know what I mean? Yeah, it totally does that. And that's, that's probably the reason why most people won't stick with it. If they do decide to stick with it, it's just for that ability to kind of figure out how all that stuff works there is a game mechanic that happens later on in the game that kind of totally removes the parkour which is interesting oh, right, as the well. grappling hook right yeah and i was like why would you do that you just took away one of the coolest parts of your game by giving you this like quick maneuverability that you can get around the map with i don't know why they did that but it's it's, it's still a fun game i would say it's one of those things that if you may if you're interested in it maybe wait I wouldn't say it's a, a go buy it now thing. Wait to drop some price and then go get it. But I think you should play it. If you are a fan of um, Dead Island or, or those kinds of games, you should totally check it out. What's your take on Evolve? Um, my my biggest take on Evolve is if you have no friends like myself, you need to not buy that game. <laughs> <laughs> you have friends. I love you, Jeff. You have I, a whole podcast you. worth of friends. It's true. It's true. It's true. But none of them play with me on Xbox One. <laughs> I need them no? to play with me. No, it's hard because it's it, it's one of those weird things too where it, um, I bought the game. I was really excited for it. I had a friend that was like, yeah, I'm so down to go play this game. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to go buy it. Went to go play it. Dude is never online. So I was like, did I just mess myself up by buying this on this system? Uh, it's crazy. Well, I got bad news. I'm on PS4 as well. So I can't play with you. Oh, jeez. Sorry about it. Oh, all right. All right, fine. Um, but again, it, it, you have to have people to play with. Otherwise, it is extremely boring. You can play it by yourself. 
but you, 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 the strategy that you need to, to, to take a monster down as a hunter. If you're playing as the monster, it's totally fine. Play by yourself all you want. If that's what you want to do, that's awesome. Cause the game will let you do that in a way that's really, really fun. And you can kind of learn and how to maneuver around the space in a, in a quick and easy way and, and, and learn how to, to kill people quickly. But if you're a hunter, you cannot play this game by yourself. You can't play this game without communication. You cannot play this game and have fun with it without having other people that you know, or at least with a mic playing with you so it's it's really difficult i would say you make sure that you have the, the people with you first before you buy that game so if you don't have a friend named mike you shouldn't play evolve if you don't have a friend named mike you should definitely <laughs> not play this game <laughs> who doesn't know mike everybody has a mike come on um, knows a mike. i was very impressed with the level of characterization that they managed to do on all the hunters i thought that was so cool i i think the game looks great it sounds great and the the just the personality that they managed to infuse in these you know basically just classes there's not much to them there but uh you know and in, in, in there's there's no campaign there's no story mode but you get a feeling that these are real interesting characters and i i dig that about it um i i don't know i found myself I found myself having to be forced to play it. Like I had to force myself to keep, keep playing uh, just because I had other distractions, um, which we'll get to in a bit. But um, I don't know. I think the game is very high quality. I think it's got a lot of fun there. I just wasn't hooked by it. It has to be one of those, again, it has to be one of those things that you play with people that you know. Because then it's the middle yeah. ground of talking crap while you play, plus seeing people die that you know <laughs> when they're in the, in the world. And then, you know, knowing that there's more of a, a feeling of want to go save someone that you know, as opposed to someone that's just a random that's in a room. It, it, it totally right. changes the way that those games are played. Well, I mean, I think that's true of almost any multiplayer um, game, right? That it's it's more fun with people you know. But I'm wondering if this is just not a good game or great game because playing Halo or Call of Duty or, you know, pick any multiplayer game with friends and people that you know and, and, and uh, work well with or whatever makes those games even more enjoyable, but they're also enjoyable games. I'm wondering, Jeff, in your opinion, why you think, you know, the the hooks or the, the progression and, and build of a character didn't sink in for you for this game versus some other games where they did. Well, I think actually Buttered Ham here in the chat sums it up pretty well. He says, Evolve doesn't have a satisfying feedback loop to what you do. Melee attacks look like mindless swiping. Monsters react like bullet sponges. This game needs a Nintendo or Capcom polish, which I think is a, a, a pretty uh, astute comment there. I, you know, I, I find that to be the case as well. And I think overall, I've just sort of gravitated more and more away from first person shooter, although I, I'm waiting for that first person shooter that grabs me and makes me fall in love with the genre again, because I certainly have in the past. Um, I just, I just, I think the, it's hard for me to say the reason because I could counter it with all the games of Heroes of the storm. I've been playing like Heroes of the storm is the same experience of just getting into the same match over and over and over. And yet I'm hooked and love it. And for some reason evolve that idea of getting into a match and going over and over and over again, I find to be uh, uninteresting and uncompelling. So I don't know. I don't know. I wish I could, I wish I had a better answer for you. I I think ultimately, ultimately the truth is here. 
that we live in remarkable times for video games. We live in absolutely remarkable times. And that if Evolve came out even five years ago, I would probably be absolutely addicted to it. But there are these games now that I'm finding that I am absolutely blown away by, by how different and compelling and wonderful they are. And that is what's been taking up my playlist this week. As much as I wanted to play Evolve and I have continued to play Heroes of the Storm, and I'll talk a little bit about the new patch for Heroes of the Storm in a moment. But the games that have really captivated my attention and captivated my playtime, there are two, and they're kind of thematically linked in a lot of ways. The first is Darkest Dungeon, which is amazing uh, and brutal, but amazing. So I don't know if you guys are aware of this game. It's a Steam early access game. I think it's still in early access, but um, mm-hmm. it's a roguelike. It is a gather a party together and go into the dungeon, but it's got definitely got some Dark Souls influences as well in the sense of tone. It Like Dark Souls, Going out adventuring into the, into the dungeon is not a fun experience for people. <laughs> We're not in the, Hey, let's all party up and let's see if we can kill some skeletons. No, venturing into this dungeon is a horrific, mind altering, depressing, awful experience for everyone involved. So basically the way the game works is you are, there's this mansion that has a dungeon underneath it is labyrinthine infinite dungeon right and it's become famous the you're sort of the the patriarch of this of this uh, mansion and you have put the word out that you want to investigate the dungeon and conquer the dungeon and so it is it has become famous and sort of like in the 1800s right very um very um um oh what's his name uh lovecraftian um and you are, you've got uh, every day a new stagecoach full of, of intrepid adventurers shows up at your door ready to be recruited into the dungeon. And so you can constitute your team based on all these different stats and, uh, and, um, skills and classes. And they're all there sort of ripe for the picking and you throw them into your pool of guys and you, and you constitute your team of four and you venture off into the dungeon, right? Well, unfortunately, the dungeon is full of horrors that 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 boggle the mind and each of these people that are in your party are slowly going insane by delving deeper and deeper into the dungeon. So you're not only managing their health, you're managing their stress level. And at a certain point, if they get too stressed out, they become tested and they can react in different ways. One of the ways they can react is to get bold and and confident and, and awesome. But more often what happens is they react by freaking the hell out and either, you know, becoming masochistic or selfish or terrified or all these different traits that they might gain, which makes their behavior erratic and unpredictable and makes them more difficult to control in your party. It's crazy. Uh, and the way the game conveys all of this, by the way, is awesome. There is this voiceover that is constantly in your ear. And I recommend playing this game with headphones. I have been. And it's <laughs> it's an experience. This guy in your ear constantly going, oh, things have gotten much worse, haven't they? <laughs> well, you're cornered now. Might as well give up all hope. That kind of stuff where it's just like 
constant just beating you down and beating you down and then your guys go insane and the graphics on this game are awesome. It's this really wonderful large figure, large environment view that are sold this kind of 2D artwork that almost looks like paper cutouts. And the way the attacks are conveyed where it'll zoom in on a character smacking somebody, it is all very visceral and you feel every smack and you feel every poisoning and it's, you're worried constantly about your people dying. It is an incredible experience. That might just be too much for me because I got to a certain point today. People might have, or not today, but this week, people may have seen me uh, tweet about it. Uh, it beat me down a little bit too much. This game relies on a lot of luck. As I said, if your guys are tested, you sort of have this chance or this role of what might happen um, when they're tested or, you know, if your attacks are going to land or whatever. And I got into a situation where I needed to retreat from a, from a fight. And you have a, a roll chance of retreating. And I failed my roll five times in a row. My All my level two guys got slaughtered. And I just was like, screw this game. I'm out. I have since come back to it. But it, it was so frustrating. I just don't understand. There's there's permadeath in this game. There is a constant save. So you can't even, you know, you know, force quit out to try to <laughs> try to cheat. Uh, I, and I respect games like that. I respect the sensibility of forcing you to do that, but I wish that there was a, you know, a wuss mode for me to just play the game because the systems are so fun and so inventive and so interesting and so much more interesting, honestly, than most AAA games that are coming out right now. Um, that I just wish I could play it without worrying about all my time being squandered by losing all my dudes. Um, any of you guys have, have taken a look at this game at all? I, I watched a lot of it on Twitch. There's been a couple of streams that I've been watching specifically, and it's been so good. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to play it just for the art style alone. And, and now that I know that John Walker is the person who's doing the narration on the game. <laughs> <laughs> with, with that with that menacing voice it's like hey i'm doing it's an so good thing. yeah that it's like <laughs> such a such a good 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 deal I'm, I'm i'm hyped to play it i hope they bring it to console as well that would be great for me since my pc is not operational in that way so yeah i mean i think this game could be on ipad i i really do i think that Ooh. and there's so much going on and so it's so it's so addictive and the reason i love games like rogue legacy is that it makes that sort of harshness palatable in a lot of ways this one is just dark and harsh and it really gets to you because your, your people are constantly being beaten down. And I mean, right when you start the game, there's a, a text box that comes up that says, uh, Hey dude, this game is kind of hard and you're probably going to lose a lot of people. Just beware. <laughs> it's like there's, everyone's going to die and you're probably going to fail a lot of the things you try. But even having read that before you start, it's, it's rough, which brings me to the other game that I've been. Well, that first game you were talking about was Darkest Dungeon. Darkest Dungeon, yes, thank you. We agreed we would be bringing that up. We would be repeating the names of things uh, for the people on on Reddit who have suggested it. Darkest Dungeon. Uh, And the other game that that brought me to is Sunless Sky. So again, dark, foreboding. Happy happy Valentine's Day, Jeff. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Uh, so Sunless Sky is also Lovecraftian. It's also a roguelike. It's also got permadeath. It's also got constant auto saving. Very much, uh, these types of games are happening a lot. There's a lot of vibrance in that indie 
genre and, uh, and awesome, you know, more power to it. Sunless Sky is really unique and special. Uh, I think it, it scratches a lot of my board game itch as well. It plays a lot like a board game. It's all about collecting resources and then allocating those resources in different ways. But the resources in that game is often and almost entirely information. So the chat you're having is saying these... it's Sunless Sea. Is it Sunless Sea or Sunless Sky? It's Sunless Sea. I'm an idiot. It's Sunless Sea. No, no, no. Sea. I, just want, I just wanted to. I, I was googling it to, to see. I haven't heard of this game. Sunless Sea. No, it's Sunless Sea. You're on. You're on a boat in the ocean. Uh, the idea is that it's like an alternate history of London, where London is underwater and a whole new society has happened, and you're on a boat. Sunless Sea, not Sunless Sky. I'm a moron. Um, anywho, yes. Man, you so, guys really got you down on yourself. Hold on, Jeff. You're great. Um, no, your views God, about I'm, a, Peter I'm aren't worthless. People, wrong. no, you're wonderful. I'm responsible for countless deaths. You don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> so you're exchanging information. You're taking your boat out to sea. You have limited food. You have limited fuel. You're venturing a little bit away from the safety of London. You're venturing into this unexplored sea and you're exploring its true exploration you maybe find uh, a port to, to to dock and you venture out on an island and you start talking to the locals and you learn some information and that information now is valuable back at london because they they're finding out about the world outside where they have not ventured and then maybe you find some crazy uh, item that that was on that that um island or maybe you you take in a passenger and something into your cargo or you just get some crazy rumor that now you can pedal to some other island where they've heard some other rumor and you're compiling these stories and the whole thing is almost like this wild choose your own adventure story where you're selecting uh, options in these these narrative paths based on other information that you've gotten other places. So certain things are locked because you haven't achieved a certain amount of information in another way, but you managed to figure out one thing, but it's a risk. You're going to have to, you know, you've got only a certain number of, of, um, pages, which are like secrets. So you're going to, you're going to try to gamble on whether or not you'll pass that role and actually succeed in trying to win over the favor of the daughter of the guy. It's all this really intricate, very well written narrative that is so interesting. And it's also a make, you know, make of it what you will. You're compiling information from different places. It's a little clunky. The combat system is strange because you're, you're shooting, uh, in the ocean, you're shooting stuff and it's, it's all very simplistic. Um, this top down view of, of your ocean liner and you're trying to line up your shot as certain boats or creatures in the ocean come in your way. Uh, you're, uh, you're reading for the most of, most of the game is reading. This game is a game that takes a lot of patience to play. You're reading a lot, but I found it fascinating and fun. Strangely, what you're reading is in a tiny, text box in the bottom right hand corner of the screen and you're just your face is in that for 90 percent of the game so i don't understand why it's in such a small part of the screen but whatever um it's just a strange unique bold interesting design and i'm so just encouraged by the scene that's happening right now on steam early access these games are vibrant and different and challenging and wildly inventive i recommend highly sunless sea and darkest dungeon to everybody they are not expensive they are (laughs) dark and 
require a lot of you as a player, but man, are they rewarding if you invest in them. Why are they early access? Because they're still being worked on. They're so, still being developed actively. Would you rec- should any, why should people buy them now? Uh, I'm, I'm not saying people should buy them now. I'm saying that, uh, keep your eye on these and I'm enjoying the heck out of them. Um, I'm actually, I, I should have double checked when sort of estimated release dates are. I think one or both might actually be out, out, but I could be wrong. Um, I'm good check right now, but it, the idea know, is, it, the idea is put these on your radar. That's what I'm saying because I am having such an incredible time with both of them. Yes, they're dark. Sunless Sea has its own, um, sort of wuss mode where you can save anytime you want, which is how I've been playing the game. Uh, and there's really not a huge penalty for that, but, uh, and, and both of these games have their flaws. They have big flaws in my opinion. And I want these systems to be taken and used in higher budgeted, more ambitious games that sort of have the time and resources to you know, work out some of these flaws and make a, a much more palatable, much more mainstream experience, but keep some of the great systems that they're introducing. I just think, as I said, when we started, we're in just this remarkable time for video games when there's such creativity happening on the indie level, on the small scale, and no more was I, you know, I was, I was no, there's no better time to talk about it than in a week where I wasn't playing this big anticipated AAA game of the year, game of E3, game of whatever game like Evolve because I was so in, entranced by these other smaller games like Darkest Dungeon and Sunless Sea. So yep. please don't take this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Khalif. No, I was just, I was just agreeing with that. There are so many really good indie titles that are out or being discussed or even talked about at this point. We just had Indicate East that just happened uh, over the weekend. So there's lots of stuff to kind of ingest and, and, and take in. So yeah. a, a question for you, Jeff. One, do you think you'll finish these games? And which leads to my next question. And this isn't meant to be negative or snarky. I often find myself in a similar place, but I'm wondering if you, are kind of a moth to the flame of new and, and you want to get in and see this new system in this new world and it's so great and then flutter away and see this next thing and this next, next, next thing and next thing. But I'm wondering, and I could be totally wrong, if any of these games came out as a, you know, took these mechanics or parts and put them into a quote unquote AAA game, if it would capture your attention or what you love about the indie space right now is that for a little amount of money you can get in see this cool world play with it for a little bit and then go back to heroes of the storm whenever or go on to the next one and only be five dollars out of pocket i think that if a game came out in the mainstream or in the triple a space that was using these systems i'd be floored by it i think i'd be just as excited i mean i think if if darkest dungeon somehow or a sunless sea somehow was uh, you know, the new game from EA or from, you know, whatever, Bioware. Um, I think it would be, I would be jumping off the walls. I think it'd be so bold and interesting and unique. I'm saying that what I'm trying to express here is that I think hand in hand with these interesting new systems is this feeling like there's this sort of counterculture it's got to be brutal it's got to be punishing it's got to be uh, only for the hardcore and i don't necessarily think that needs to be 
the case. I don't th- necessarily think that these games would be less fun if the hardcoreness of them was just a mode that it, the sort of tone and um, what they ask of the player isn't what makes it special. It's an element of what makes it special and is very cool in a lot of respects. But I think that I think we conflate sort of the, the indiness of things with a level of hardcore, you know, the sort of spelunky, um, you know, there's this, there's this mentality that I don't necessarily think has to be there for these games to be successful and good. And maybe that's just my personal taste coming through. But to answer your question, yeah, I'm I'm in the cult of the new. And it's part of what I do for a living. We got to talk about something new every week. People in the chat room are like, hey, you were excited about Gone Home or Grow Home last week. Yeah, Grow Home is fantastic. I played all the way through it. I finished that game. It is phenomenal. I'll still recommend it. But, you know, we have a new episode this week. I want to talk about new content. I'm excited about these games. It's not that I'm any less excited about that one just because I didn't bring it up explicitly. Um, but yeah, I'm in the cult of the new. I'm excited about new, interesting things. But just because I'm onto the new thing this week doesn't necessarily mean I've forgotten a great old thing either. Oh, well, no, and I'm not even trying to say I do the same thing before a show. It's like, okay, what new can I play to talk about this week, you know, and still talk about older things that I've enjoyed. But I feel like, and I don't know what it is, but I feel like you are chasing a a, a mechanic or a story or a something. And, and all, all of these games are getting close and maybe it will be when they're on Oculus and all of your futures come together perfectly. <laughs> but it's like, there's this, there's this type of game that somewhere in the dark recesses of your mind, you know what it is, but I don't know if anyone's made it, but it has like elements of Dark Souls, elements of this and a little bit of that. And I think you keep getting little bits of games that are like, oh man, one of these days, Jeff's perfect game is going to happen and we're going to lose <laughs> Jeff from the world. Maybe, forever. I don't know. It's, I mean, that's certainly possible. I think more to the point is that I'm discovering things in these games that I love that I didn't know I loved. And now like, I didn't know I loved dark souls too, until I gave it a shot. In fact, I wrote a whole uh, feature piece in the gamers with jobs magazine last year about how I was surprised how much I loved that game. Um, so I think it's more of a discovery process. And, and part of the thing, you know, my favorite game of all time I've said before is Ultima seven, right? And when I was a kid playing Ultima seven, I didn't have the internet. I didn't have, uh, a, a cheat book. I, I, when I ventured out of Scarabray or actually that's Bard's Tale, when I ventured out of Britannia and into the wilderness with my character, I did not know what I was going to find. And that was magical to me. That was an extraordinary experience of discovery. And Sunless Sea really reminds me of that because you venture out with your boat and it's this top down perspective and you don't know what's out there. You'll find things and oh my God, I better turn, turn back to home because I don't know if I can make it back and I don't want to, to run out of food and have my crewmates have to eat each other, which this game will make you do. Um, anyway, let me, I, I have to take a break. Uh, we've been going wild and I need to thank our sponsor, which is Squarespace. Squarespace is, uh, uh, something that I have used for a long, long time. My own website, jeffcanada.com is built on Squarespace. Squarespace is a simple, easy way to create beautiful websites, blogs, or online stores. They have uh, great support. So if you're trying to create something and you need some help, they have 24-7 support. They have incredible templates. But the best thing is, even with all that help and all those templates, 
It's super easy. You probably won't even need the help because it's all drag and drop. It's all what you see is what you get. You take a dragon, you drop him, and then he blows fire on your website. Done. Drag and drop. Uh, no, it's, it's what you see is what you get. You just, it's so simple to create something incredible with Squarespace. And Squarespace has a brand new, new version that has all kinds of really cool new features, including cover pages, which is a sort of one, splash page version of a website, which makes it so easy to just throw something up. If you have a, just a, a small idea or a small kind of, uh, temporary place you want as a landing page, it makes it so, so simple. Uh, it's got, it's inexpensive. It's only eight bucks a month, which is great. And you get a free domain name if you buy it for a year, which is awesome. Every site comes with commerce. So if you want to sell something, boom, right there, you just drag and drop in a, uh, a storefront feature and it lets you sell things right there. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. And the best part is they don't even make you put in a credit card to try it. You can try it for completely for free, but if you do end up liking what you create with Squarespace, and I think you will, uh, you can get 10% off with our promo code. So what you'll do is you'll go to squarespace.com slash DLC. That's the most important part. Go there, sign up, Check it out for free. Don't even have to put a credit card in. Build your website. Figure out what you want. Make it how you look like you want. If you like it, great. Then you put in your credit card. Then you put in our promo code, which is Jeff sent me. J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E. Jeff sent me. And we'll give you 10 bucks, or excuse me, 10% off, which is awesome. 10% off with Jeff sent me at squarespace.com slash DLC. Christian, what's on your playlist? So before we dive in, Cleef, uh, do you have a new 3DS? Did you want one? Did you buy one? Did you find one? I'm scared, actually, because, well, I shouldn't be scared because I haven't had a 3DS before, but uh, a friend of mine, he he just got one, and I was like, oh, man, there's so many good games that are coming out, so I'm scared. I, I'm, I'm afraid of the way that they do their downloads and the way that you have to have these weird antiquated things tied to all these other weird antiquated things, so I'm scared to go and actually buy one. Yeah. The Jeff, did you get one? Did you find one? No, I want one. I, I don't know why I want one, but I do. <laughs> me either. And I was in North Carolina doing shows and I was like, you know what? This will be dumb. I will just buy one. I'm on the road. It's perfect. And I'll go through there. What a bizarre. They're like, we don't include a power charger because most people will be upgrading and they'll already have one. Oh, but however, you want to transfer your system files. Good luck. Go buy a Phillips head zero screwdriver and Good luck with, or do you use your computer or your, anyway, uh, I did not pre-order one because I didn't think I'd want one. I don't know why I want one. Um, I don't know. Are these things flying off shelves? Listeners, do you have one? Did you pre-order? I did not pre-order. And in my, over the course of the weekend in North Carolina, um, I went to two Walmarts, a Target, a Best Buy and called three Game Stops and none had any or ever got any in over the weekend. And I don't know if this is Amiibo situation. Nintendo just didn't know how popular these things would be or, if they're, they made tons of them and they are flying off of store shelves. The reason I bring that up, because what I was been playing this weekend are both games available on the 3DS eShop. I finished the very old Game Boy game, Mario Land 2, colon, six golden coins. Not 3D Mario Land, not the new one. This is a very old Game Boy game, um, Mario Land 2, colon, six gold coins. What an incredible game. It is, it is Still fun to play. If you were looking for something to play on the cheap and you have a 3DS, uh, I can't recommend it enough. It doesn't outstay its welcome. It's 
six gold coins, six bosses. There are new enemies in this game that, at least as far as I know, have never been repeated in any other Mario game. Inventive levels, fun things to do that take, you know, classic Mario gameplay, but also new twists on it that I haven't seen them use again. And all done, and what I really appreciate, it's all, you know, Game Boy black and white, but you can still tell what platforms are jello and and what platforms are moving and and this, that, and the other. And I almost think it's almost more creative because of the limitations that they had in place. It's kind of like what some retro um, new games that invoke retro-ness are going for. And, you know, Nintendo did it not as retro, but because (laughs) they were making a Game Boy game. And uh, it's really fun. A great, 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 great game. Wario, the last boss, um, just that last, his mansion is... um, is trying and difficult. And then the other new game that I played that um, it's $3 on the eShop. I think $3, $2.50, $3. It's Gunman Clive 2. Did either of you play the first Gunman Clive? It's also on um, iPhones and Androids, but I think the 3DS was the way to play it. If not, I can give a little bit of background, but I was wondering if either of you checked it out. Mm-mm. I've never played that, now. So the original Gunman Clive, both games made by, I'm going to say it wrong, it's a Swedish um, development studio. One dude, he had help with sound, but it was one dude. It's like Horberg Studios, but there's two little dots over the O. I don't know. I don't don't speak English well, so (laughs) I'm not going to speak Swedish well. Um, (laughs) It's a side-scroller retro action style game where... Um, you're moving left to right, and you can jump and shoot, and that's pretty much all you do. It's paper-drawn, hand-drawn style graphics where the squiggles are kind of always moving, giving it a sense of feeling alive and also a roughness that is really, really cool. The first one was kind of monochrome in its color scheme. Gunman Clive 2 introduces a really cool muted color palette where, you know, depending on the level, like, other it's a western so other than like cowboys that you're shooting will be purple and when you kill them they kind of just away in a puff of smoke as you progress and then there's crazy inventive levels you ride a panda you fight dinosaurs there are 3d kind of mode 7-esque levels that feel like afterburner or Star Fox, where you're you're flying or you're riding on your horse and it's from the back and you kind of have that Um, space harrier style feel to it to break up the otherwise 2d level design and it's a real throwback to kind of the mega man style games where only three bullets can be on the screen at a time so if you're really close to an enemy that might be a little bit more of a bullet sponge you can constantly be pumping bullets like the bosses but then you know you're closer to their attacks if you move back you only have three out and then you got to if you miss, um, you know you have to renegotiate how you're going to attack the enemies. And it's not super long. Each level has a par time that it wants you to complete it in. So if you, you know, it kind of tries to get you to go faster than maybe you're more comfortable with your first time through. And it does a really, really great job of keeping you playing past frustration point. Because <laughs> a lot of these games, the Mega Man's, you know, you don't know what's going to be at the end of the screen until you get to it for the first time. So you're running along, shooting, jumping, and then, oh, that pit, great. How did I know that was going to be there? You didn't. You had to memorize it. But this game, as soon as you die, you're snapped back at the beginning of the level. I mean, immediate, just like Meat Boy and a lot of these games do now. There are no checkpoints in the level, so if you die at any point in the level, you're back at the beginning, but levels don't take that long to complete. And it's this whole... I'm I'm not I'm done. I'm done. I'm not I'm not playing this game anymore. I'm gonna beat this this stupid panda level and then I'm putting the game up oh, the next level started. Okay, this level I'm gonna do it. Oh I died. Okay, one more literally I'm like I was on the plane looking around at people, thinking to myself, like, this is it. I'm done. This is the last I'm I'm not gonna play this is the last one. This is all it's gonna be. 
And then I kept playing and kept playing and kept playing. I think there are 25 levels, um, three characters. The Gunman Clive is your standard. Then there's a girl. Oh, I forget her name. She kind of has a little bit of a float. And then introduced in this game is a third character that's a hardcore difficulty that I have not messed with yet. He has um, no projectile, just a spear. So you really have to get close to people and memorize enemy patterns. Holy moly. This, what a great... Great, great, great pick up and play on the fly on your 3DS game. If you have a new 3DS, I've been told that the um, the 3D is really cool. I was not using 3D. I was playing on my 2DS. Um, it's really cool for like the space area type levels. But I cannot, I cannot recommend this game enough, especially it's three bucks. It's, it's easy to pick That's up and cool. play. Yeah, it's, Very cool. it's awesome. It's Gunman Clive 2 on the 3DS and it's it's I think it just came out like last week or something like that but yeah check it out Awesome. Um, I wanted to do something that we, you know, we tried to do a while ago, months and months ago. I tried to institute it and it didn't really take off, but I'd, I'd love for people to get on this horse. Um, I wanted to start up stories of glories and tales of fails where people send in great stories of them playing games. What has happened? I love reading these and I would love to read them to the audience. We'll see if it takes off. If it's something interesting, we've been getting a lot of great feedback, uh, on the, uh, on the subreddit. You can also post your stories there if you prefer. I'll read that as well over at five-by-five-dlc.reddit.com. Uh, um, and uh, we got a lot of feedback people. Basically, I heard from not a single person that defended the calls. So we're retiring phone calls into the show for uh, until further notice. Maybe we'll bring them back at some point. But uh, overwhelmingly, people were like, nope, nope, no need for calls. We'll just... Uh, do live chat, which we watch constantly through the show, uh, and uh, the the Reddit and emails. You can always email us at uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. But I got this email from Jay. Uh, he talked about this story of glory or tale of fail. It's actually up to you to decide which it is. Uh, he says, as a fan of MOBAs, he knows what I meant by becoming that guy when I was talking uh, a while back about the guy who just wants people to play well instead of being patient with new players. <laughs> he says, it happened to me a few weeks ago. He came, he became that guy. One day he was playing League of Legends and he had a Twitch, which is a, an AD carry for his team, uh, that was feeding, missing positioning and never around in team fights. He was yelling at him the whole game. He even told him that he was a bit new. Uh, he, he even told, uh, Jay that he was a bit new, but Jay didn't care. Kept yelling at him. His team was down 20 or so kills by some miracle. They happened to ace the other team and rush down the mid lane for the inhibitor. And it was their only chance. Pray that they could win before they respond. Of course, with no AD carry to be seen, we could not take out the turrets and inhibitors fast enough. After getting the inhibitor, the enemy team was all respawning. They came right at us and they were pissed. They killed everyone but me. I was running for my life. I made it to the center of the map, but I knew that the enemy's cooldowns were coming up and it was only a matter of time. Just when they started attacking me, the base exploded. And what do I see? Our Twitch. He had stealthed and waited at the base for them to chase me. He came out of stealth and won the game for us. I apologized like you would not believe after the match in chat. Now, whenever I have a bad game or a new player, I always think of this game and remind myself it's just a game and even I have bad games. Now I'm never that guy. He's glad we're playing MOBAs, or at least I'm playing MOBAs, and hopes that someday... 
we get to play together. So that was really cool. Thanks for sending that in, Jay. Uh, that's a story of glory or a tale of fail. It's up to you to decide, but I'd love to get story. more of those. Right? It's like, don't awesome. underestimate the guy that you think is screwing up on your team because sometimes that guy may save your butt. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Uh, let's carve out a little bit of tabletop time. Tabletop time. Tabletop time. Right now. Right now. Uh, Khalif, do you play board games at all? Uh, I'm trying to learn, <laughs> but I haven't had anyone to sit down and actually teach me many of the games that people have been playing lately. So, so not really. No. Well, Christian, I sat down and taught you a game recently. Remember? Um, if by teaching you mean mopping the floor with my wife and I, uh, I vaguely remember. <laughs> well, it was close. It was a close game. It was close between you and Amanda. I was, I, I thought I had this sweet strategy I was, uh, I forget what, uh, not bejeweled, um, splendor, splendor. Thank you. It's coins, uh, or gems. Um, yeah. the board game is called splendor. I will let you describe it in more detail, but I thought I had a great strategy lined up in my head. And then literally the, you were before me, um, in terms of moves. And then you made all the moves like I was going to make. <laughs> and I was like, well, at least I knew what I was supposed to be doing. One move too late. <laughs> Well, uh, I've talked about Splendor on the show before, but I, I use it as a great, it's, it's a relatively new game. I think it came out last year, but, uh, it has become one of my go-to games for A, we don't have tons of time to play. And B, I want to play with people who I don't have to explain a ton of rules to because there's lots of distractions and we might be, you know, you know, that kind of thing where it's, we're not in for the long haul. This is a quick get in, get out, but really high strategy and really fun game. It's become one of my, my wife's favorite games. I think your wife really dug it too. Um, and you guys were even talking about giving it to your wife's parents, right? As a gift. She, she ordered it after, uh, after you left that it was ordered that night. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really simplistic, but, but deep game. You're basically trying to collect gems of various colors and types, which allow you to purchase, um, gem cards which both give you a bonus gem and potentially give you points but then you as you build more bonus gems you're able to build uh, buy bigger and bigger cards to ultimately get higher points and then um, get the attention of a patron who then comes into your hand as well and gives you even more points so you're just trying to accrue points but it's sort of this this kind of build an engine of gem types so that you have all these bonuses going forward that allow you to get bigger and bigger cards uh it's easy to teach there's very few rules and it plays relatively quick and the coolest thing i think about the game is the component quality the big thick chips they're like poker chips really great stuff for an inexpensive game um you didn't really love it though right your wife liked it a lot yeah, well, my problem with games, I'm I'm good at math. I just don't enjoy doing it. Um, and, and so this game requires or can, depend, I think if you play it well, it's looking at what the other cards people have and kind of what their values are and which gems they have and then planning out strategies. And to me, that's not fun. It makes me anxious and I, I start feeling stressed out and it feels like work. And that's just my issue and what I think is fun. I think the game the systems of the game are well made and, and yeah, the actual pieces are really well made. But yeah, that type of gameplay um, stresses me out and, and makes me feel uncomfortable. I get very anxious if I try. And so I, when I don't try, I'm like, well, why am I playing? Because <laughs> I'm not trying. My <laughs> wife 
loves <laughs> games like that though. That's like right up her alley. So I, I you know, that's just it's just a not for me. I'll play um, X Wing miniatures any day over over this game. Another thing I wanted to bring up in tabletop time is uh, a big announcement. Several people brought this to my attention. Uh, it was posted on our subreddit as well. Um, Cryptozoic, a board gaming company, high quality board gaming company that does a lot of licensed properties, just announced a new Kickstarter for their licensed property, uh, Ghostbusters, a new Ghostbusters board game from Cryptozoic. It's on Kickstarter now. It, uh, it's got miniatures of all the ghostbusters and ghosts looks really cool it's from one to four players uh and you basically control a ghostbuster trying to uh fight ghosts and move around it's it's uh you know looks pretty cool are you uh, khalif are you uh ghostbusters fan huge ghostbusters fan huge 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 ghostbusters fan so i'm kind of excited by that i read some of the the stuff that was in the um, kickstarter and i was like "Ooh, this sounds cool like all the parts and all the pieces look really really well detailed and really awesome so i'm excited for that i might i might have to kick down some money for that uh, unlike the video game space, the go- board game space, licensing something doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, right? It's actually a really good licensed game. So I'm hoping this one is that. I love Ghostbusters as well. It's interesting, too, that the, all the art style is based on the sort of the old real Ghostbusters cartoon. Yes, um, which, which I cool. loved. I'm surprised yeah. that so many people don't remember that or, or had that kind of love for that series. It was so good. It was so fun. Yeah, it was. Um so there's like all kinds of cool Kickstarter bonuses. Uh, again, because we kind of disparaged Kickstarter at the beginning of the show, I would say both Darkest Dungeon and Sunless Sea are Kickstarter success stories. And the board gaming space constantly has Kickstarter success stories. Uh, I think Kickstarter is a fantastic tool, and um, I'm certainly not against it. So it sounds there's, like there's a lot of great. Kickstarter is not the problem. It's just maybe Peter was lying. <laughs> Not, not, not exactly what I was saying. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, guys, let's uh, let's wrap this puppy up. Um, well, we will have a parting gift for you with a brand new parting gift bumper. Ooh, look forward to that. But first, I do need to thank Khalif Adams. Thank you for hanging out with us, man. It was really fun. Uh, where can people see more of your stuff this week? Uh, we are on, first of all, let me say thank you guys so much. I've been fans of your work, both of yours work, uh, for a long, long time. So being here is awesome and a dream come true. So thank you so much. Um, you can find our stuff on the spawnpointblog.com is a big fat uh, link that says the spawn on me podcast. Uh, we just were picked up by ESN.FM. So that's awesome. Uh, podcasting Congrats. as well. Thank you so much. Um, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, all those places as well. Um, the kind of twist on our show is that we are, we're a gaming podcast, but we also really like to spotlight people of color and underrepresented folks in the industry, try to give them a space to talk about the games and things that they make. Uh, so we, if you like that kind of discussions, uh, kind of discussion. This is why you had me on, right? <laughs> I, that, that was that was the perfect reason why we had you on. I was like, Jeff, tell me about underrepresented people of color. And you were like, I got you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so come by, check that stuff out. And the funny thing was, we talked about Fallout uh, today on the show, and we had this week that's coming out tomorrow, uh, the father of Vault Boy, the person who designed and drew a Vault Boy on the show. So if you like that kind of stuff, then come by, hang out with us and talk about it. 
Awesome. Yeah, those guys are great and their show is great. Um, I really, uh, was a blast hanging out with you guys and, uh, I can honestly recommend the show as being something people should check out. Um, very cool. Christian, what's going on with you this week? Friday at 7 p.m. at Nerd Melt is a uh, Punch Club Presents the Lab. It is a free show, 100% free show. If you are over 21, there will be free drinks, um, beverages there as well. And well, I think I might go to that. Yeah, you might be there because you and Anthony Carboni are doing your first ever version of a live We Have Concerns, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, we are doing yeah. a live We Have Concerns in that show. And the tickets, as you said, are free. Yeah, if you go to Nerd Melt's website, you can uh, still free. Please do RSVP because it lets the the showroom know how many chairs and how to set up the room and stuff like that. And this, I've been a little hesitant to say because I am not Beyonce, so I don't get to say my album drops Friday at midnight and then it for sure comes out. But I think because <laughs> you're a my, liar. My, yes, I am a liar. I I think <laughs> my stand up debut my album comes out wednesday on itunes but you know maybe wait and see that's when it should come out but i don't i don't know if it will but it should be this wednesday but i'm at spicer on twitter my website is christianspicer.com and i will have a link to it there and if it does in fact come out man uh i'd really appreciate it if people would pick it up it would mean so much to me um, to have it ranked well in the iTunes store and the comedy albums and, and stuff like that. And it's a, a labor of love. It was one night in San Diego, and I, I uh, put a lot of work into it, and it's self, self-made. self And um, there's no pre-order, so you don't have to worry about it not delivering on its promises. You will get the thing <laughs> when it comes out, and the multiplayer will work. So that's And fun. one one person who buys it will become God of Gods, right? And then <laughs> yes, they will... You will become Peter Malignoux if you buy it. So. <laughs> oh... Um, yes, the aforementioned We Have Concerns is still going strong at wehaveconcerns.com. Check that out. We had a fun guest episode uh, recently with Justin Robert Young from uh, Night Attack and other things. That was really fun. Uh, the episode that came out today is one of my favorites ever. It's about a man who changed his face to look like the red skull. This is a oh real my thing. Goodness. You I have, have to, it's I have to listen to this. ridiculous. Uh, and, uh, the slash film cast, we will be reviewing, uh, Kingsman, uh, this week, which, uh, man is awesome. So here us talk about that. And, uh, what else? Yeah. Come see us on Friday. I hope you can make that. Um, yeah, that's, that's going to be it. Lettuce now. Debut, Sean Madigan, because he in the, in the subreddit, there was discussion about people loving the bumper music, but not loving the playlist. They thought it was too, um, kind of sad sounding. So Sean Madigan, our awesome, uh, guy who created the playlist bumper and, uh, the parting gift bumper, bumper jumped at the chance to create a new one. So here we are, the brand new parting gift bumper. Hey, give us a suggestion. Gift. Thank you, Sean, for that. It was awesome. Uh, I think it's cool. Khalif, do you have anything to recommend for the people uh, that might not be a video game? Oh, my goodness. That bumper again would be amazing. I'd like to drop that one more time. <laughs> that would be great. Um, <laughs> uh, Black Mirror, I've been watching that a lot on Netflix. I'm not sure if you guys have talked about that at all. Uh, kind of cool if you like uh, stuff that is kind of morally ambiguous and also kind of uh, Twilight zone then that, that's an awesome kind of series to get into. I know a lot of people have been talking about it, and I've just started it. So, yeah, watch that. It's pretty dope. 
Yeah, I can second that recommendation. Christian, what about you? Um, I had something down. What was it? And I can't open the- Matt and Kim. Oh yeah. So this is a, a, they're everywhere and they're in commercials and it gets annoying sometimes, but there's a, a band, a group, a pop group, Matt and Kim, and there's nothing new. They've had albums out for forever, but I just can't quit them. I hear them in ads and I roll my eyes. I'm like, Oh great. They're ruining that song. But to me, it's a perfect mix of like upbeat and peppy and get you excited for something, but not over the top hit you in the face. It is a band, a group called Matt and Kim, and you can check them out. Just Google a song, YouTube song. You might like it. I uh, I keep going back. I've listened to them a lot. I just wanted to bring up uh, last night's 40th anniversary Saturday Night Live uh, show, which was really fun, I thought, and also kind of not good at points, but <laughs> just... Which is exactly what the show has been for 40 years, which is great. I think since I was 12 years old, I I venture to say I've never missed an episode. Uh, it was an incredible walk down memory lane. And, uh, you know, there's always people who are like, Saturday Night Live's not funny anymore. Well, you know what? There's always at least one sketch that I'm so glad I watched an episode for. I think Saturday Night Live is an institution that has informed my comedic sensibilities and my just my view on life uh, probably more than most things. Anything else, I would venture to say, because it's just every generation has its cast. Every generation has these incredible breakout performers that affect our culture. And to see them all assembled and all on the stage and all varying ages, uh, it was it was something. It was certainly something. And um, I hope people check it out. If you didn't see it, I'm sure you can see it on Hulu or whatever. But uh, three and a half hours, it was pretty amazing show. I, I really enjoyed it. A lot of, a lot of great sketches through time and a lot of actually some new sketches. It was funny to have them do sketches that were about Saturday Night Live, which is an interesting <laughs> idea, very meta. But anyway, I enjoyed it. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thank you to Khalif Adams and Christian Spicer. Thank you to the folks at 5x5 for making this possible. Thank you to all of you who are hanging out in the chat room and contributed to the show. Thanks for everybody that posted in the subreddit and has sent emails. Thanks to everyone listening. Until next week, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. 